Good morning, everybody. I just want to paint a couple of pictures before I read from the word. On Tuesday morning, I was out for my morning constitutional. And uh, I run most mornings, some mornings I walk. And Tuesday morning, I started to run. And then I, I felt like the Lord said, slow down. So I slowed down. And um, sometimes I'm obedient instantly. And that was one of those moments. And, and as I was walking along, I was, having, I, I was hearing the Father have a very intimate conversation with me. And that was very precious because I'd been kind of wanting that. And, um, and so the Lord was talking to me about a whole range of things, and, uh, which were questions in my heart that he was speaking to. And, and when he finished, I got excited and was starting to talk back, obviously, and speaking to him and answering him. And then Jesus, who was with the Father, just said, started to say something. I said, just hang on a sec. And, and I finished my conversation with the Father. And then I suddenly realized I was just telling the king of the universe, just wait a minute, I'm busy here. And, but you know, it didn't offend him. It didn't offend him. He kind of waited and then I said, oh, sorry, Lord, but, you know, I needed to get that out. And he smiled at me and uh, I said, so what was it you wanted to say? And Jesus sort of held his peace for a moment, you know. And I said, Lord, have you forgotten what you were going to tell me? And he said, no, no. He said, but what I want to tell you is really, really important. And he then proceeded to speak to me and I'll, I'll share more of it as we go along. Uh, I think that's how it's meant to flow. And, um, but the key was that at the end of it, he said to me that, um, because he was speaking to me about discipleship, and which is what I'm speaking about this morning, because he said to me, and he reminded me in this conversation that that is the call on my life. He said, David, that's the call on your life. It's about discipleship. It's calling the body to discipleship. It's never changed. That's what I've called you to do. So whenever you speak to the body, speak about discipleship. And I said, Lord, I always try to do that. But it always looks a bit more than just definitive. And he said, yes. He said, and I want to add something to that. And I want to add to it the fact that a lot of times we stop. And he said we. And so I kind of figured he was in that at people being connected to me and, and walking out my, the journey with me. But he said the whole reason for discipleship is to bring people to a place of being able to have communion and intimacy with the Father. So discipleship is about bringing people through to a place of intimacy with the Father. And the reason I wanted to share that is twofold. One, I'm speaking about discipleship and that's the reason. And secondly, this morning as Trent was leading... You might have remembered he said that we want to connect through you, Jesus, to the Father. It's definitely on the Father's heart this morning that we become closer and more intimate and more relaxed and more excited about our journey with the Father. The other thing that Trent said, and long before he came here and before any of us were in this building, when I was looking for a place to have our meetings, back in those days that was my job, um, I was praying and the Lord showed me this building and he showed me this corner of the building and he showed me his heart and his heart turned into an urn and poured himself into this building and that was the prayer we were asking this morning so the father had promised that umpteen years ago that that's what he was going to do when we met in this place that's why worship was so precious we were, we were touching into what's in the father's heart for us 
And so, my friends, this morning I want to speak to you about the discipleship relationship 2015 style. When we read the scriptures, it's easy to think that we're looking into a history that kind of fits into a, a cultural picture of then. But discipleship is for now, for those that know Jesus. And it has a shape to it in 2015 that is actually a continuation of the shape that Jesus initiated when he walked the earth. And when the Lord spoke to me in 1987 and he said to me, David, call the body to discipleship, I struggled with what that meant. I didn't quite know what it meant. I said, Lord, do you mean go and tell people about Jesus? He said, well, yes, but it's more than that. And he said, I want you to speak into the body. And I said, Lord, but we're, we're there. And he said, no, I want you to call the body to discipleship. And I said, okay, Lord, what does that look like? And he started to speak to me about having this relationship with Jesus that was more than a structured relationship. It was a relational relationship, if I can use that word like that. And so that was in the November of 1987. And uh, there were a lot of things happened to me in that November, and that was one of them. <clears throat> and then I, I kind of struggled with it, didn't know what to do with it, how to do it. And in the end, I said, and the only person I shared it with, well, a couple of people, but Carol, obviously, we talked and prayed and said, I have no idea how this is going to work or what that's going to look like. And who am I? I was a member of the Uniting Church at the time. I was certainly involved in a lot of things at a, at a synod level, at the state level. But I had no role. I had no um, title. I had no training. And, uh, but uh, I used to often, I used to preach around the place, I was a local preacher, but this whole thing of call the body to discipleship was obviously something that was important to the Lord, but I didn't have any qualifications for that as I saw it. And so we just parked it, and that was the December of 87. In the March of 88, the head of the Uniting Church, who was then the moderator-elect, a guy called John Maver, he invited me in to have a cup of coffee with him into the head office of the church and at that time we had our own business and so I could sort of pop in and have a cup of coffee and it was my birthday on the 14th of March that we had that meeting and he didn't know it was my birthday but I did um, I do remember some things and and so I went in there and I sat down and had a cup of coffee and John said David he said in my year as moderator which began in the which was due to begin in the September uh, he said, I've been praying about what to take to the church as my message for the church in my year as moderator. And I said, yes. Thinking, why is he telling me this? That's, you know, his job. And then he said, and I believe the Lord is saying to me, it's time to call the body to discipleship. Well, at that stage, my knuckles went a little white on the chair because I'd never heard that phrase from another soul other than the Lord. I said, oh. And then he said, and the other thing is, as I, as I pray and as I hear that, I keep getting your name with that. I said, what? He said, yeah, he said, the Lord keeps giving me your name. And he said, what I want to ask you, he said, is whether or not you would take the time out of your business to come with me in my year as moderator, to go through the church in Queensland and to call the body to discipleship. Would you do that? How do you, how do you answer that? I mean, there is no answer other than Yes. And then I said, well, let me tell you a story. And I shared with him what the Lord had spoken to me about in the November, December. And so he got very excited. And he said, great. He said, we're going to appoint you as consultant in discipleship to the Synod. I said, hang on a second, John. I said, I'm still trying to work out what it means. 
He said, that's okay, you let us worry about that. He said, this is exciting. I said, it might be for you, but right now I'm a little bit scared. He said, don't worry about it. He said, we'll take care of it. So two weeks later, an edict went out through the Uniting Church in Queensland saying that David Delaney had been appointed as honorary, that means you don't get paid, honorary consultant in discipleship to the Synod. So suddenly I was an expert. I mean, you don't get appointed to a position like that unless you know what you're doing, do you? I didn't have a clue. But I had a, a burning in my heart about this thing of sharing with the body about discipleship, whatever that was going to look like. And so that began a journey of um, incredible um, intimacy with the Father it was, and with Jesus. It was the only way it could work. And we went all around Queensland and we had meetings in all the churches and you know, we'd worship and then I'd go outside while John preached and I'd say, Lord, help, what do you want to do? And then he'd sort of give me some words of knowledge and we'd go back in and then we'd go into ministry and the Lord would turn up and do things. And so we were, we were doing little mini, what I called vineyard conferences all around the place because that was my only mental picture of how that happened up until that point. But what I did know was that the Lord kept bringing me to this scripture and kept reinforcing it to me and showing it to me over and over and over again. And that was Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And I just want to read it to you out of the message today. And, and as I read this, it speaks about a mountain um, in Galilee. And when I was blessed to be in Israel a couple of years ago, my everyday with Jesus, on the morning I was in Tiberias, which is where this, there's a hill behind it, which is where Jesus met his disciples... I opened up my everyday with Jesus and the reading for the day was Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And there I was suddenly connected with the actual physical location of where Jesus uttered these words to his disciples. What an awesome thing for God to bless you when I was kind of having this time out with the Lord in, in Israel. <clears throat> Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus had arranged to meet them back in this place and they gathered there and some held back. And so this wasn't the 12, this was a lot more than the 12. But Jesus undeterred about some who were hesitant and some who weren't. And he was boldly went on and he said, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. Now a charge is when someone comes and says, I charge you with this. It's a, it's a, a challenge, it's a call to some response from you. It's not, here's a charge, I'm giving you a bill. It's a charge, it's a call that's being placed on you. And so this is the language of the, of the message. It says, he gave his charge, and this was the charge. God, in brackets the Father, authorised and commanded me to commission you. Now let that soak in for a second. Here's Jesus standing here saying to the disciples, God has authorised me and He's commanded me, my Father has commanded me, to commission you. Now, you don't get it from a higher authority than that. God, through the Son, who is now resurrected and who now has all authority in heaven and on earth, he is acknowledging that his Father had authorised him to commission you, the disciples, to go and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. Marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. And I will be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. That was Jesus' last instruction to the disciples before he left planet Earth to reside with the, the Father in heaven, where he is now. And it interests me that in John's uh, Gospel in chapter 17, where Jesus is praying to the Father and saying it's time, and in that he says, um, you know, this is eternal life that they would know you. Uh, that, that's a precious part of John 17. But in it, Jesus said, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those who will believe because of the word that you've given me. In other words, he was praying for us. Because the word that was declared from Jesus to the disciples and the disciples then faithfully went out and spoke has caused us to be here today. So we are in a direct line to that instruction that came from the Father to the Son to the disciples on the side of the mountain in Galilee that day, I believe. And so I believe that it's on God's heart and it's he's given me a job, not a job for a season, he's had a calling on my life, to speak to the body and to call the body, to call the body into this discipleship relationship. To say, body, wake up. We are meant to be disciples of Jesus. That is the definition if someone asks you who you are. To say you're a Christian is an incomplete answer. To say you're a disciple of Jesus is the calling, is the charge, is the commission that God has spoken through Jesus into those who have said yes to Jesus. Does that make sense to you? I hope so. Because I believe that's what the word says. And the Holy Spirit is our helper, our guide, our counsellor, our comforter and the power of God with us. And so this great commission that has been released into the disciples was to go and train, to show and tell everyone this way of life and then baptise in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And the command was ushered in with this conjoint statement where Jesus said, and I will be with you day after day after day. Now that doesn't mean at nine o'clock on Sunday morning, that means 24-7. Jesus has promised to journey with those who have said yes to him. Up until the end of the age. So that godly authority, that transfer of the then, I believe, comes to the now. And so that commission comes to us in this world of 2015, to be disciples of Jesus. So what does Discipleship 101 look like in 2015, in the middle of a muddled and messed up world? Well, my thought is what it looked like then. It was a muddled and messed up world then, wasn't it? If you look at history, we're no worse in the world now than the world was then. In fact, we're probably better if we measured it on some scale of comfort and sensibilities and all other things of science. 
But the world then was in a mess. And Jesus said, this is how I want you to have a relationship with me and to go and have other people have this relationship with me because I want you to come and know the Father. Back to Tuesday morning, the rest of the conversation, when Jesus pulled me up uh, and, and said, remember the call on your life is calling the body to discipleship, I then said, well, yes, Lord, I remember that, I know that, but I get a bit confused because, Lord, you've sent me to the other side of the world to pray things off the church and to pray for freedom for people and and uh and then you know there's you're sending me again to do that i believe and the lord said david let me just paint you the big picture he said you've been focused on the middle part of the picture which is the stuff about me he said but when i send you out to pray I'm sending you out to pray and take authority over the things that are holding the people and the churches captive to pharisaical ways and captive to the ways of the world. Until that lifts off, they can't hear the truth of who I am. So that praying is a prelude to calling people into a discipleship relationship. So it's part of the picture. I said, thank you, Lord. That's been troubling me for quite some time. Because whereas I used to preach every Sunday once, now I don't, but I'm doing a whole lot more praying about the church. He said, that's a part of calling the body to discipleship. Don't stop. Thank you, Lord. He said, but there's another part at the other end. He said, I want you to focus on that now too. And I said, what's that, Lord? He said, I've come and I want people to know me and to do what I'm doing because I want them to know the Father. He said, sometimes discipleship stops before we give enough time to that and so God painted me the whole picture and it's only taken him 30 years to get to that with me so I'm a slow learner you'd have told me sooner if I'm a fast learner so that's what I wanted to share with you this morning as part of the story is that this is not a picture about just doing the things of Jesus it's about why we do the things of Jesus is that we might have a communion with him and with the father <clears throat> a muddled and messed up world but then as now God has a plan for his creation to be restored to him in all its fullness and joy <clears throat> recent world events could make us think that we live in the worst of the world history but no there's been famine and plague and war and all kinds of unholy and unrighteous acts down through the time. But God was sovereign then, and he is now. It's easy to become disheartened and disillusioned when we look at the world headlines. And we see the world, in inverted commas, going to hell in a handbasket. And it is. The world is. But as the church, we're not. And as the church, we're given the opportunity and the privilege and the charge to rescue the world or people out of the world into the church. The church is the ark where people come for having safe future with the Father and with Jesus. And we're the ones that have the privilege of being able to say that. You see, God is still the alpha and the omega he is still the beginning and the end he is still the creator and the sustainer of the whole earth he is still omnipresent he is still everywhere at once he is still omnipotent 
He is above all things. He is omniscient. He knows everything. God's not surprised at ISIS. He's not surprised at the Iran nuclear deal that's going on. He's not surprised that the US Supreme Court has just said it's okay for same-sex marriage. He's not surprised that our government is struggling with that issue right now. And you know what? It's going to go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. But Jesus has said, I'm going to go on and on and on and on on with you as you stand as my church and declare that this is how we have life in all its fullness. You know, the problem is people look from the outside in and they don't see joy and excitement and life and vibrancy. They think they're looking into a closed club of people who walk around in a pretty tough world all the time. I want to be someone that's out there waving a flag saying, I'm delighted that I know Jesus. I have more life and more vibrancy in the choices I make than in the choices you're making. I want you to come and meet and know this. But I don't judge you for what you're doing. Jesus didn't judge people, did he? Let me say that again. Jesus didn't judge people, did he? He invited them into a relationship of freedom. When Carol said to me this morning, she said, what are you expecting? And I said, freedom, honey. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That was something else that was said this morning. Scott got up. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, not bondage. And when we say to people, what you're doing is wrong, we are putting a wall up. What we need to say to people is, you know, I don't agree with that because I've found life to be so much more full this way. Example, you're living as a way of encouraging people into it rather than telling them what they're doing is wrong. It's much more inviting, much more likely to encourage further conversation, isn't it? And that's what we're invited into as disciples of Jesus. Man can't legislate away who God is. By any actions, man cannot render God to be less than who he is. He's God. He is all things he is omnipotent so in this day the discipleship relationship is about a way of life it's about doing a job for the benefit of others it's about calling others in our own community to go and multiply this relationship so the call of the body, the call to the body is to bring Holy Spirit muscle to believing in Jesus. You know, when we say, I believe in Jesus, we need to have Holy Spirit muscle go with that statement. I believe, plus I have faith, plus I have Holy Spirit, and so therefore my life is awesome. And I, it, my life is awesome. I never know what's going to happen from one day to the next. That's an exciting way to live. Sometimes scary. You know, it was... <clears throat> some of you know some of my story. <clears throat> but back 30 years ago, I was a multimillionaire. Today, I don't know if I've got enough money for groceries next week. And that's the truth. But I am excited about every day. We don't have a house anymore. We live in one. God's provided one. We rent one. I'm excited about what God's doing every day because he's, he's talking to me in the morning. That's pretty awesome. And he talks to me through the day. 
What's tomorrow like? Well, he's told me I've got to go back to Europe and pray, so he's going to arrange that somehow. I don't know. I assume he's going to give me some money to get on an aeroplane. When it's time. You see, that's the other thing. If I had the money in the bank, I'd say, I'm going tomorrow. But I don't. So when it comes, it'll be time. You know, he knows me. He knows I go, vroom, and he's, so he's, he's worked out how to corral me. He's taken away all my resources and said, now, David, I'll dole it out to you as you need it. I'm, I'm blessed with an awesome wife. She, she's come for the ride with me, let me tell you. She's, she's amazing. It's okay to sort of do it on your own, but when you've got someone else that you care. And you know, the other thing that's pretty cool is that God let all of our children grow up with, with plenty. We had plenty when they were at home. This journey is one of refining me in these days. So God's never finished with you. That's, that's an encouraging word. <laughs> Um, it, it, my journey is mine, not yours. And that's the other thing I want to say this morning is that every one of us has a unique journey and relationship with the Father. Mine is not like yours and yours is not like mine. God made us each absolutely unique so that we could be a delight to him just that particular way. No one can take your place in a relationship with God. No one. Whether you know Jesus or whether you don't, he's aching that you would because he's got so much for you. And the ultimate is relationship with the Father. We, the church, have what the world is desperately searching for, but they're looking in all the wrong places. We have joy, we have vibrant life, we have eternal life, knowing the Father. The world is looking for stuff and they're going, well, if you let me, if you just let me marry my partner, even though they're the same sex as me, that will make my life complete. It won't. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying if you do, it will not give you what you're looking for. I believe that. Or if someone says, I want to go and do what I want to do when I want to do it. I'll say, yeah, well, you know, I want to do drugs. Yeah, well, you know, it's not good. There's proof to say that it messes your head up. I'm messed up enough without it. I don't need drugs. You know, there's so much that we have without all the things that the world wants to present as being really, really good. Because they're really, really not that good. They might be good for a moment. They might give you a, a short time high, but they won't last. And I can say that with a reasonable amount of knowledge. I've never been hooked on hard narcotics but I, I, I drank too much, I smoked too much I, I've had um, more reasons for God to want to disconnect from me than most of you in this room but he hasn't he's forgiven me he's continued to heal me he's continued to invite me into life in all its fullness that's why I can tell you this story is good and that's the story we've got for the world, for the people that think they'll find their happiness and their joy in all sorts of other places and all sorts of other things. They can't, they won't. I can guarantee that. We have an eternal relationship with the creator of the universe. That just blows my mind. You know, I, because of just how awesome that is, I still... You know, admittedly, I said to Jesus the other day, just hang on a sec. I mean, I do have that kind of relationship with the Lord. But 
there is still an awesomeness about my relationship with God that I kind of, at times I go, wow, you know, sorry, Lord, excuse me. But more and more he's kind of saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, come on in, let's spend some time. The world hears and sees us as a people of rules, as a people of judgment, as a people of condemnation, as a people of doom, as people of disaster. We're speaking about end times and we're saying that the world's going to blow up and it's all going to turn bad. Now that's all true, but it's not a story that's inviting, is it? Would you want to come and be part of that? I don't think I would. I want to be part of a story that's the other side of the story that says, you know what? We're a people who have a relationship with the creator of the universe and he has told me that it's going to be okay for me and I believe him. And you know what? In that I find fun. I have fun with God and he has fun with me and I have fun with you guys. Sometimes you have fun with me. But I always enjoy, bless you honey, I always enjoy my time when I'm with you. I, I can't not be here on Sunday mornings. I really can't. There's nothing like being here with you guys. There really isn't. Nothing. So when you're not here, I miss you. I know you're not here. I go, oh, I wonder where they were today. You know, there's a hole in the fellowship when you're not here. It's, it's kind of God's given me this excitement in my heart when I see you. Did you know that? It's true. When I see you, I get a kind of a little skip in my heart. It's like, great. Like, where's Tony? I miss him, you know? He's, he's looking after... Anyway, doesn't matter. But, you know, I'm, I miss people when they're not here. I miss you when you're not here and the other folks that aren't here. God has given us something that is absolutely irreplaceable and nothing else can bring what we have to bring life. Being part of this fellowship is bringing life to others through you. Kirk, the last two weeks, if you haven't been here, and even if you have, get on to SoundCloud and listen to the last two weeks' messages. They were awesome. Kirk just knocked it out of the park both weeks. And last week he talked about being free to embrace the gift that God has for you, the unique gift that God has for you. Come in, kids. That's good. The young people are going to join us for ministry time today. They're going to pray for us as well as others. But anyway, the, the, the thing that um, the, 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 minister, the, the Kirk's message last week was don't be unemployed in your ministry. Let the gift that God has given you come alive through you. And how do you do that? In the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what will change the world. And it changes for one another. The other important thing to remember in all of this is that we each bring a unique brokenness to the task. And if we're willing to give ourselves to this commission, the light of Jesus comes into us. And I see us all like a, the, 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 um, the clay jar full of cracks. And the light on the inside shines out through the cracks and makes a beautiful lantern. So unless there's any cracks, you won't shine out. We're not going to have no cracks until we get to be with the Lord, I believe. Because until then, we're cracked vessels that the light shines out of the cracks. So the more cracks, the more light. 
closer we get to the Lord, the tracks will get healed up and he'll probably tip us out and we'll do something, I don't know. But that was, the, that was the picture he gave me and it was like all of these beautiful lanterns, all different, all unique, with all these cracks making an amazing, an amazing montage of light that attracts the world. Can we all be cracked together? <laughs> Not on crack, just cracked. Discipleship is about learning to trust the outcome to God. Let me say that again. Discipleship is about learning to trust the outcome to God. When we do our part and have him do his part, when we only do what we see the Father doing, the message is that we will be able to see lives change. Service in the work of love to one another and then out to the world. That's what Kirk's message, message was last week. But we're all called to be living disciples in a relationship with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. The gifts that the Holy Spirit releases into us and through us become passionate and powerful for participating in the transformation of a sad and sick and messed up world. That's what God wants to have happen, is that we will be transformative participants in his salvation plan for the world. We're not going to save the world. It will still be a mess, but the people out of the world to come into the church is what Jesus has called us to, or to come into a discipleship relationship, and we, we call it here at church. It's a party time that lasts forever with God. We carry the light into the darkness. I believe, my friends, this is Discipleship Relationship 2015. It's, it's taking it from when Jesus released it, same picture, same message, same task, same Holy Spirit, same Jesus, same God, to 2015. So when you read the scriptures and you see what Jesus has done on the earth, He's inviting us to those things. He's inviting us to heal the sick. He invites us to declare freedom, to break the chains, to break the chains of injustice, to break the chains of bondage, to declare the good day of the Lord has come. These are the things that are that have been released to us to do. And it's not hard. It's not hard if we trust God. If we trust him enough to let him take it from us dribbling it out of our mouths sometimes and let and let the lord take it from there that's all we've got to do does anyone think they're not qualified to let it dribble out of their mouths that doesn't mean you have to do much just say mm, lord over to you i'm standing i'm willing i'm here to listen i want to hear your words i want to preach i want to speak i want to pray I want to say and do what you want me to say and do Lord and then say and do that but but we have to watch that as a church we in this in this time I believe the Lord is really underlining this because I got really stirred the other week when I saw the United, the United States Supreme Court's judgment on gay marriage and I went ah this is terrible and it is but then the Lord challenged me to say, David, love on them, 
Don't judge them, love on them. What they're going to do is going to destroy their lives if they go that way, but you've got to stand up and say, there is a better way. Not what you're doing is wrong. It just isolates and alienates. So to all my friends that I've said that to, I'm sorry. I have, I have uh, extended family who are living in gay relationships and I've isolated myself from them because it's distressed me. I need to take a step into that, not out of that. I need to take a step into it and say, you know, I love you, I care about you. And God loves you too. Even in the middle of the relationship that is, in my understanding, not blessing God. I wouldn't actually probably say that up front. That would put the wall up again. That will flow as time goes on. The initial thing is to re-engage. And I believe this is the message. Re-engage. Today the message is re-engage. Step outside of where we are in our, in our desire to get it all right and re-engage and invite people into this awesome life that we have. Does that work? Does it work for you? It won't if you haven't got the Holy Spirit helping you, but I mean, that's the, the, the idea is that we choose that direction and then the Holy Spirit comes with us. I truly believe that is the recipe that will change the world. Amen? Discipleship Relationship 2015. Step out into the world. Invite people into the life that you know is good. And let God do the rest. That's it. No more. You haven't got to be an expert. you just got to be willing. And that's what the Lord has for us today. I bless that message to you and I thank you, Lord, that you have never given up on me and I know you've never given up on any of us and we are so amazed at your goodness. Amen.